0: Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag Top Doctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.
1: From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter
2: Verschietti, welcome to Out to Lunch. Here in New Orleans, both as a city and as a business community, we're often torn between the past and the future. We want to hold on to our traditions, but we know we have to change. We're proud of our traditionally tourist-driven hospitality industry, but we know we need to diversify, and if at all possible, put some emphasis on manufacturing. My guests on Out to Lunch today answer all these requirements. It doesn't get much more traditional in New Orleans than Jonathan Berticelli's company, Studio 3. At Studio 3, they make Mardi Gras floats the same way they've been making them with papier-mâché since Jonathan's father brought the craft here from Italy. You've seen Jonathan's flamboyant floats in Rex, Bacchus, and Demian and other parades. Uh, Jonathan, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Now, I think people that are listening are wondering, are you a direct competitor of Blaine Kern, or is it a
1: well, uh, sometimes we, we can compete and bid on the same job, but actually I have a very good relationship with them. And uh, my, you know, we, when my father first came here, he worked for Blaine. Um, we go way back where uh, many, many years ago in the 50s, uh, Blaine, when he first started in the business, he started to uh, import some of the most beautiful pieces that they built in Italy for Carnival in Italy. That's, that's one of the ways he got started. And uh, when he was traveling to Italy in my hometown of Viareggio, which is in Tuscany, he met my father, and uh, many, many years later, my father decided to come visit the uh, United States, and he looked up Blaine. He was like, you know, uh, let me go see the quote-unquote American. And, uh, you know, and then the rest is history. He worked for Blaine for, um, I think, about 10 years, uh, and then we went independent back in the 80s. So uh, we still have a great relationship with, uh, with them, and uh, but, yeah, sometimes we definitely bid on the same job. Uh, I have a niche. You know, in New Orleans, I do certain specialty items. I don't do whole parades uh, like they do, you know, um, but I do pieces and parts of parades. I also uh, build a lot of floats out of town. Um, and as a matter of fact, the, uh, the Butterfly King that I built oh, that's uh, uh, two years ago, I built the, uh, the main king. The, that's the, for par- in the Rex Parade. Yeah. Right? He, he, uh, Barry Kern uh, asked me to build it, you know, so that's how friendly we are. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) Here we
2: go. Now, across the table, uh, another Jonathan is uh, sitting with us, and he is the Jonathan taking us into the future. Uh, Jonathan Shudmack is the co-founder of NOLA 3D Printing. And if you're not sure what 3D printing is, imagine your computer printer. Instead of printing out a picture of a cup of coffee, it actually makes you an actual coffee cup that holds coffee. That's not science fiction. That's happening today. Jonathan, uh, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks, Peter. It's great to be here. i got to tell you this. Having two guests called Jonathan is a bit of a challenge for radio. So this is how we'll go. You won't get it wrong. No, I'm not. (laughs) And the people at home are going to get this straight because... Our producer has created a great system here. Jonathan Berticelli, seeing that you make paper mache, and Jonathan Should Mac, seeing that you make plastic objects, I'm going to go with paper Jonathan and plastic Jonathan. This is how we're going to go here, if that's okay with, with you guys. I'm greener. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. There, perfect. Okay, plastic Jonathan. There's a, <laughs> There's a lot of talk about 3D printing being the next big thing. Astronauts on the space station are going to start printing replacement parts instead of shipping them Uh, In from Earth, Uh, there are reportedly going to be all kinds of everyday applications from prosthetics to jewelry. But right now, it's pretty cutting-edge stuff. You, Jonathan, have a degree in civil engineering from West Point and an MBA from Harvard. There's a lot of businesses that you could be in that would seem to be a lot safer. (laughs) What made you want to jump into 3D printing this early?
0: You know, it's a good question. And I think people who know me would think that I would be the last one you would associate with a technology-based startup. You're kind of a Luddite in real life? Uh, I'm more of an old school school industry type of guy. Um, Spent most of my finance career in the utilities and oil and gas business. Uh, But, you know, this is a real exciting technology. And what I've seen is it has applications across multiple industries. And every day, more industries seem to catch on to what they can do with 3D printing, whether it's, Whether it's speeding up their design process or making making finished goods, or just making checkpoints along the way in their in their process, give me an example of something you can make with a 3D printer.
2: (laughs) You can make ham sandwich. (laughs) What what is it? Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, 3D with our with our 3D printer and the FDM technology, we can make anything out of plastic. And you know, there are certain constraints uh, on size, but we've made everything what we call from dresses to drones. In that we have made, actually, a dress that was, that was shown in a fashion show recently. And we've made parts for, for the aerospace and defense business. We've
2: and the dress was delivered by a drone, which is, uh, so uh, <laughs> that is, wow. Those
0: two projects were not linked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, paper, Jonathan, the, um, the floats you build uh, stand out. They're the ones that, when they go by, everybody goes, wow. Uh, that's not because people are throwing beads at you from behind them, but because they're really, truly works of art. And although most of us have seen your work, uh, including the Mr. Bingle, right, in front of the... My the father end.
1: built that, oh, yeah. That's
2: pretty awesome. This, uh, very few of us will get to experience what it must be like to be the person who created it. What's it like for you on Mardi Gras when you see your floats go by?
1: Well, usually I'm way too tired to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it's satisfaction, obviously. You know, uh, it, It's nice to, to have something out there that the public sees and um, and uh, at the end of the day it's, uh, you know, uh, what I do is uh, always related to, to festivity, to Mardi Gras. It's, it's, it's always a happy theme, you know? So um, I've been blessed uh, to, to, to grow up and work in an environment that is always, uh, revolves around, you know, Mardi Gras and, and, and people having a good time and celebration. So uh, it's a good feeling. I mean, it, it just, it's rewarding.
2: And John, where are you guys in town? Where do you, where do you, where do these come from?
1: My, my, uh, my warehouse is in the Mid-City on Toulouse Street. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm really close to City Park. And I've been told that you're a, you're a boxer and there's a, there's a boxing gym in your studio? Yeah, well, you know, um, I kind of follow my father's footsteps very closely. My father was actually a prize fighter and also an artist. Uh, oh, wow. And uh, I just, I grew up with both. Um, I grew up in in a studio building floats and sculpting and painting and at the same time my father also uh, managed and and had a boxing gym in Italy and uh, so I I was involved in, in both. Gee, my dad was an Italian boxer too. It uh, there's a this is must be we must be cut from the same cloth here.
2: This is a pretty pretty wild stuff. The, uh, when I see uh, one of the things that I'm curious is like when I see something like the butterfly uh, piece you did. Do people usually come to you with an exact idea of what? Yeah. It want, they want or kind of a rough estimation and you kind of think it out. You know,
1: the, the, the Butterfly King, is an example, that was very specific because it had to look like and, and be like something that uh, came from, um, from Mardi Gras history in New Orleans. You know, uh, I work in so many different, uh, with so many different people and so many different ideas that sometimes uh, some of my clients have absolutely no idea what they want. They just have a very abstract idea. So we design and draw and, t- and try to bring it to to a more detailed idea, and then uh, and then I have clients that are very specific. So everything in between, from very vague to very detailed. So and if things the design isn't going right, you just go over to the speed bag and try <laughs> to get to get that get that out of your and system. And by the way, I, I wanted to add that uh, you know. Uh, Plastic, Jonathan. Uh, speaking <laughs> of uh, 3D uh, printing, actually people in my industry are beginning to look at that technology to build props and sculptures out of, uh, using the same technology. So there's, there's a little bit of a crossover and overlap here. It's funny. I was going to mention that just as a joke. You could,
2: But uh, you, oh no, I think the thing I'm, you're talking about is actually components of a float.
1: Well, you know the the props, the sculptural pieces. Yeah. um, Because we, you know, in more modern times, we've uh, started drifting away a little bit from old traditional, old traditional uh, uh, carving uh, and and sculpting of of clay and making the mold. All these old methods, and we started carving and and, uh, sculpting foam, polystyrene, and different kinds of foams. And these machines can, and you can correct me on this, but I know that they can uh, cut and shape. Polyester, polystyrene, I mean, different types of plastics. You know, in, in the world of plastic, there's a million different kinds of plastics. So there's definitely uh, people that are in my industry that are beginning to look into that.
0: Yeah, that, that's right. We have seen some interest in, in, uh, in, in particular in the movie prop, yeah, prop side of the business. Yeah. Um, what, what makes 3D printing in some cases very applicable to movie props is sometimes they need something on the set tomorrow morning. Yep. And one of the nice things about, 3D printing for all industries is, if you send us a file, a design file in the computer, if the printer's available, we can push print. And when it's mm. done, we can send it to you, deliver it to you, or whatnot. So that turnaround time and the ability to make something exact, get it to you very quickly, is a huge advantage that 3D printing brings as compared to the uh, some of the more
2: traditional methods. And what's Absolutely. that, what is that business gonna look like five years from now? I mean, it's, I know that's a tough question, there's some publicly traded 3D companies and such, but I mean, uh, Is it the same kind of thing where just about everything is going to be in-house and there will be a few players like yourself or different?
0: You know, it's really hard to say. I I think there's a lot of hype out there that that suggests that 3D printing is going to replace traditional manufacturing and large-scale manufacturing. We think that's unlikely, and I think the industry really thinks that that's unlikely. But what 3D printing can do is really it's really more in in its application for other industries and speeding up times to market. And if you think about the the implication that can have to say a consumer products company, they can do three, four, five iterations of a single consumer product design and test it and put it in your hands well before you might even be able to do one iteration, perhaps in the old method, if you have to carve something or or use some of the the other methods. So it's, it, it's exciting. We think uh, th- there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, as, more, as more industries catch on and this becomes the norm for more industries, we think there will be a bigger role for us to play.
2: I have trouble operating my regular printer in the office, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to be your competition mm. yet. But, yeah. Now, this is the part of the show we call the checklist, where we ask you a couple of questions that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. Uh, I'll start with a paper, Jonathan. Uh, uh, Jonathan, how do you talk to your employees about their performance? Uh, you've got people you manage. Um, how do you talk to them about how they're doing?
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty laid back, but I, I uh, you know, uh, I always keep my eye on the ball, meaning that I, you know, the final product is what counts, the way things look. Um, I, uh, I, I don't tend to be uh, very overwhelming, but I check on, uh, you know, I have a, I developed. You know, a keen eye through through my years of experience. So I uh, try, as a in, in most friendly way, to sort of keep him in the boundaries of what I consider, you know, we should do. Um, and and I just give guidelines. You know, it's it's guidelines, and I, and then I give a lot of freedom within those guidelines. Because you know? you're working
2: with artists, right? I mean, kind of. Those yeah, kind and of folks and you know, the
1: key thing is like anything else. You you find the people that are talented, that are good, that you trust. And then you kind of have to let them go a little bit. You, you, that's just the way I feel about it. And, and the, more they f- the more they feel trusted uh, and the more you challenge them to do something that is good, uh, the, the better are the results. That's always been my, you know, my conclusion. That's a good rule of thumb. And, and plastic, Jonathan, <laughs> is there anything in the
2: global economy or the big picture politically that, uh, that you really keep a close eye on how it's going to affect the, the whole 3D printing basis?
0: Well, I mean, I think, you know, general economic conditions in the global economy is really what, what drives manufacturing, drives consumer
2: goods, particularly um, consumer
0: discretionary. Uh, so if discretionary. I was to forecast
2: you, would I kind of look, I mean, are you going to grow kind of with GDP, but but at a faster pace? Is that the kind well, of thing? Well, we would that?
0: expect to grow at a almost a hyper rate compared to GDP because, this again, this is a disruptive technology. It's hard to measure how it might grow, like, like you might measure, you know, other...
2: Other, uh, you know, more consumable type goods, and, and just, just to step back because I'm very familiar with the term, but some people aren't. Disruptive technology sounds negative, but it's <laughs> what is what does it mean? Yeah, there? it's actually a very very positive technology. It's it, it's a technology
0: that's sort of different and changes the way things have been done. The things have always been done and. I think the class is, classic example is the original, co- the original copy machines, the 2D copy it's machines. Got all those monks out of
2: business. Yeah, right? it, you would, know, the, or, <laughs> the
0: original thought was that why would you ever need more copies than you can make with, with, with carbon paper? But sure enough, you put a copy machine in an office and all of a sudden you need a whole lot more copies and everybody needs them. And, you know, the, the norm is not to make four or five copies, but to make 25
2: yeah, that's very, so they, they, it'd be difficult to forecast the demand because it kind of creates itself. It there. is.
0: The other thing that this really reminds me of is when TiVo first came out. Okay. And no one could understand why, why would you need it. But once you start watching TV and you don't have commercials, you can't imagine <laughs> watching TV with commercials. And now DVRs are, are in m- most homes.
2: That's right. Now you get angry at how long it takes <laughs> to, to, to do all that. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Berticelli, in this case, J- Paper Jonathan, um, where do you think it all, uh, the whole Mardi Gras tradition goes from here? I mean, the the tradition of being able to build these floats with papier-mâché, like yours was kind of handed down uh, by the generations. Mm-hmm. Is that what's going to happen going forward? Uh, are, we gonna, are there new artisans coming on
1: board? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, uh, just in New Orleans you have, uh, you know, uh, I would say probably 15, 20 really good uh, sculptors. That do this kind of work, um, and three or four of them are really, really, really good. They're sma- they're masters, um, and I see this being handed down. If you go to, uh, if you go, for instance, to uh, Mardi Gras World, or you come to my studio and other studios in town, Royal Artists, there's people that are uh, w- with a lot of ambition and a lot of young talent trying to you know outdo each other all, every day, and that's great, you know, but the you know the uh, the old traditional way that I do paper mache. Uh, is uh, you know is definitely evolving. You know I, I do that, but I also use all the modern methods, and then we also carve a uh, styrofoam, and we also use uh, are constantly looking for you know a better way to, of doing it. So uh, the challenge is you know th- there's transition because the challenge is to to still have the very artistic artistic touch and still have uh, in the sculptural uh, component of it have uh, the expression have the uh, the things that makes a sculptural piece look really good on a float, but using very modern materials. And and sometimes different materials like styrofoam will give you different effects. It doesn't behave the same way as clay does. Because when I do it the old way, we do it in clay first, then we cast it, we make a mold on clay, then we take the mold off, and then in the mold we press the paper mache. It's a very long process, but it's a beautiful process. Uh, When you sculpt clay, you can get any kind of form and shape. It's basically like 3D printing, but with your hands, you know? So it's very natural and organic, you see. So I see people that are beginning to um, do some very good work with foam, but they're still not totally there because foam, as you carve it, uh, it just behaves differently. You can't really put your hand on it. You have to do it with a tool. So uh, as somebody like myself that knows this from the inside out, I, uh, I see the transition to uh, more modern materials, but still having to give it that very beautiful old uh, look and touch absolutely now we're we're at the pay it forward section of the
2: uh, of the show and and that's where we ask our guests to generously use their experience and expertise to uh, help out another local business because we're good people in New Orleans here Sa- safeguard business systems makes promotional items uh, stuff like polo shirts tote bags, pens, iPhone cases, anything that you can have a company logo on, and uh, that business gives it away as a promotion. A Safeguard is owned by Kathleen Wilkin, and Kathleen is a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program over at Delgado, where we've got a lot of our uh, Pay It Forward guests from. Uh, For the past 15 years, Safeguard has done over a million dollars in sales a year, so Kathleen obviously knows what she's doing, but she wants to do more. She wants to know how to finance her expansion. Kathleen writes to us and says... How do you continue to grow and at the same time sustain the profitability of the business? Uh, Paper, Jonathan, plastic, Jonathan, uh, what do you think about the uh, issue of growth? How much do you think Kathleen should plow back into the business to grow it? And would you advise her to use her own capital at all, maybe get a loan, a partner, investor? uh,
0: I I took a look at the website. It looks like they've got some interesting products that they offer it probably, probably makes sense to periodically review these business lines for profitability, both on an absolute and a relative basis. Are these products or services making money? And if so, are they making money compared to the next best alternative? Because I'm sure, like everyone else, she has limitations on her staff's capabilities and time as
2: well as the equipment. So uh, for instance, like every uh, periodically look at the maybe even think of dropping the least profitable and coming up with a couple of new ones periodically to keep it fresh.
0: Yeah, I think you know sometimes you know, we, companies get into business lines and it makes sense when they first get in, but, but conditions change. Maybe the, maybe the market prices go down, maybe costs go up, and, and before you know it, if you don't review it, you could end up in a
2: business that do, you don't recognize anymore. Right. Now, Jonathan, uh, you're coming at us from the, from the other side here. Any advice for, uh, uh, for Kathleen?
1: Well, you know, I, I think what uh, Plastic Jonathan just said is absolutely <laughs> correct. You know, I, I myself, even though I'm in this much more, uh, if you will, artistic world, you know, the, the product, as he said, the lines, you know, is, is very important. And, and I review my products all the time. And I, I would say that, you know, you have to, you have to invest some money in, into, uh, you know, upgrading your line and keeping it, you know, for lack of better terms, keeping it fresh and interesting. Um, so... Uh, you know, very wisely, I would say that down the line, she has to invest some money into the future. There's no way around it. I don't really see a way around it. Yeah.
0: I mean, accepting outside capital is always a big decision. And you go from a situation where you call all the shots and you answer to yourself and your employees to having someone else. And whether it's a bank saying, you know, where's my interest payment or it's an investor saying, you know, explain to me why we we may or may not have made our numbers this, this month or this quarter. It's, a big decision and you have to understand what you're getting into and
2: it's not in many cases simply a financial trade-off that's it's a, that's a good thing for someone to know you know uh, Jonathan Berticelli Jonathan should Mac, um you both represent where we've been and where we're going, from the uh, traditional papier-mâché and Mardi Gras to futuristic 3D printing. It's been great to meet both of you. Uh, paper Jonathan, we look forward to seeing your work rolling down the street for many years to come, and it always does stand out. And Plastic Jonathan, we look forward to seeing your work, well, everywhere. Uh, Jonathans, thank you so much for joining me and Out to Lunch today.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: guys were were terrific. Uh, My guests on Out to Lunch today have been uh, Jonathan Berticelli from Studio 3 and Jonathan Shudmack from NOLA 3D Printing. To find out more about Paper Jonathan's Floats or Plastic Jonathan's Products, follow the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle. the shrink wrap Jennifer Smith is our researcher Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast and you can listen to past shows and keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our website itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software Studio Live digital mixing consoles Aeros Studio monitors and more More information about Baton Rouge-based Presonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Rusciutti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue
0: Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.